We know Wednesday isn't our usual podcast release day, but we wanted to get this week's episode out on the air early because there are a lot of people out there who are stuck in traffic right now who could use some entertainment. And speaking of being stuck in traffic, if you haven't left for the holidays yet, stay put. According to a study by Google Maps and Google News Lab, the best time to travel before Thanksgiving is Thanksgiving Day itself. While you're waiting, you might as well listen to the rest of the episode, which is as packed with holiday tips as your table is going to be with food. First up, we have Frankie Salenza of Tastemade.com, who applies his popular struggle meals formula to Thanksgiving to help you make turkey and stuffing on the cheap. After that, the points guy Brian Kelly gives tips on maximizing your points earnings during the holiday travel and shopping season. We ask the Transportation Security Agency which leftovers you're allowed to bring on a plane. Sadly, no mashed potatoes. And we challenge a new machine called the Pongbot to a beer pong game against the original beer pong difficulty enhancer, the Roomba. Stick some solo cups on your Roomba with duct tape and play along if you like, but only if you're not driving tonight. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler, and you're listening to the most useful podcast ever. We have a super special guest on today's podcast. It's Frankie Salenza, who is host of Frankie Cooks on YouTube and host of several shows on Taste Made, which Lara tells me is the... Hipster Food Network. So welcome, Frankie. Thanks for having me. Very happy to be here. We also have Lara, obviously, and also Kevin Dupsick. I want food. Yeah, well, I don't know that Frankie brought food. I have Tic Tacs. <laughs> All right. <laughs> edible. So you're here today because this is our Thanksgiving episode, and we have been talking about your show, Struggle Meals, which is a cool idea for a show, and we wanted to see if you could come up with a way to make struggle Thanksgiving. So what do you think? What are your suggestions? Well, I think about this all the time. 30 to 40% of all the groceries that Americans buy go directly into the garbage. So that means that 30 to 40% of all the money you spend on food is basically going directly into the garbage. That's so, crazy. Yeah, it's insane. So I just did this the other day. Just go into your pantry. Take every single thing out clean it you know <laughs> do it you'll see that you have multiple of things combine them all into one your stuffing should come probably just from there no joke between nuts and dried fruits and you probably have some well stale bread hopefully isn't in the cabinet but stale <laughs> bread is a good way to do it we should all be doing it for free that's what stuffing is it's just kitchen stuff sink stuff yeah, yeah exactly so there's some savings right there that's a great idea cashews really good in a pan believe it or not when you toast them they turn black but they're soft it's totally bizarre whoa yeah and then you need alliums, so it can be leek, it can be shallot, it can be onions. Carrots and celery are always a good thing. Bread is the main thing. Yeah. Know? Just any kind of bread, rip it up. Okay. Add, add some milk, add some eggs, All add right. some stock, add some roux. Do you put the stuffing in the turkey? Or are you that no. kind of person? No. Because that can kill people. Oh, I've heard that. <laughs> well, okay, that's a good reason. Well, I know you wanted to talk about spatchcocking, so here's the thing. If you have the whole turkey, what are we waiting for in the oven over the course of three, four hours? You're waiting for the heat to penetrate to the center point, right? Uh-huh. If there's stuffing in the middle, that's the last thing to cook. So all that potentially salmonella-filled stuff is <laughs> not quite at USDA temperature and just getting in the porous stuffing. Keep them separate. That sounds like a good call. Mm. And in terms of spatchcocking, we actually just did a big story in the magazine about how to spatchcock a turkey. Obviously, the reasons are to cook the turkey faster. Is that correct? That's exactly correct. Okay. And how do you do it? You have to be not afraid of breaking bones. Find that spine, grab the tail, grab your kitchen scissors, your shears, and you go just to the side of the spine. You just start cutting through these rib bones. You go all the way through, and then you'll have a spine on one side. It'll open like a book. You can cut that completely off if you want. Use it for a stock, which you could then flavor your stuffing with. And then when you flip it over, it's going to kind of not really be ready. You stick one hand into one breast, and you just put your body weight into it, and then the rest of the rib cage breaks and then it's flat, and you do it to the other side. That's pretty much it. Okay, so you got the turkey, and then we figured out how to make stuffing. What are some other cheap things that you can have for your struggle Thanksgiving? Pork butt. 
Ooh, pork yeah. butt. Because nobody likes turkey, let's be honest. That's true. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, you have to have it there because tradition. But pork butt is really cheap, pound for pound. It's got a high fat content, so it's going to be moist and delicious. You can literally just rub mustard, mayo, coriander seeds, maybe some woodsy herbs like sage or rosemary <laughs> around it, and stick it in the oven until the middle says 165. If you want to be really hip, you could put like a pan on the bottom, a little bit of water and some wood chips. You'll get some moist, aromatic heat in there. I think having a second meat is always a good option. And pork butt is really cheap. And then if you screw up the turkey because it's so lean and it's usually overcooked. By the way, people, pull it at 160. Carryover is going to happen. It's going to hit 165. And then you'll be good. Do you like to use the giblets and neck and stuff for Yeah, stocks. Totally. 100%. Or you can just sear them. Awesome. So what do you normally do for Thanksgiving? Do you cook? I do. We go to my parents' house. They have a big green egg. You know that smoker? Oh, yeah. Those mm-hmm. things are great. That makes everything really good without trying very hard. So they smoke the turkey on that? Oh, 100%. Oh, that's a great idea. Wow. So that's one thing. I have a wood-fired oven also, and I do a lot of Roman cooking techniques in there. So I'll have the fire going, and I'll just do sheet trays of vegetables with olive oil because that's all you need. Oh, that's all a great of them. idea, Boom, too. boom, boom, and then reheat it when everybody's ready. Okay. Awesome. Apart from Thanksgiving, anything else you're really excited about cooking lately? I'm always excited about pizza. I have been for many, many years. I'm constantly changing that dough recipe. Lately, the dryness and thinness of Lucali has stolen my heart. <laughs> trying to copy it. I mean, I'm always into pastas. We're getting into the fall now, so I like filling the pasta with pureed beet. Oh, huh. yeah. okay. You puree the beet and then you... Well, I bake it first and then I puree it. Sometimes I add a little ricotta, although that really makes the Italian food police upset with me. Why? They're against that? Oh, they're against any changes. Oh, well, that makes sense. And then you fill, <laughs> you fill what, like those giant shells or something? I love shells. I make a giant sheet of raviolo or whatever, and I, I turn a wine glass upside down and cut circles into it. And then you put a tiny little bit of filling, you flip it over, you get a half moon. The northern Italians call it the casunzier, oh. which I guess is their slang for a pocket. And you are Italian, is that correct? That's your... I, I mean, I'm Italian-American. I'm American. I'm born here. Okay. They won't give me the passport. <laughs> and so is that why you're so into pasta? I'm um, into pasta because it's the number one food that I ate my entire life. It was also the easiest thing to start learning how to cook, but it can also take a pretty long time to do it well. Yeah. And that's what I love about Italian food so much. Simple ingredients, not messed up. It takes a long time to learn how to not mess them up. Yeah. It really does. So it's not just like, oh, I mastered this in a week. It doesn't work that way. What's your biggest tip for people who are just starting out in cooking, or even if they're not just starting out, like something that you think you've learned from doing all these shows, that like if somebody knew this, it would improve their cooking lives? I find in general, people are afraid of high heat. Hmm. I would totally agree with that. Everything's like so, nothing's happening. A consumer stove on a high setting is lower than a restaurant stove on the low setting. Really? Everything should be full blast all the time in the house. If it starts burning, (laughs) you know what you can do? You can add water. And all that oil and all that fat, that temperature is going to drop to 212. And then boom, burning's done until it eventually evaporates away and the temperature goes up again. Water's your friend also. That's brilliant. Yeah. I have a question about fats. Is there one oil that you think if you're just going to buy one big bottle to have in your pantry, what's your pick? I'm an olive oil guy, always. I know you're not supposed to cook with it for everything, but I do. Well, happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. Thank you, Frankie, for coming in. My pleasure. A lot of holiday travel coming up means there's a lot of ways to earn money and also a lot of ways to make mistakes. So we are going to give a call to Brian Kelly, the points guy, who longtime listeners will remember has been on our podcast before. What was he telling us about, Kevin? We played Stupid or Amazing on the old podcast with one of these things where you sign up and you can take unlimited flights in a month. 
Oh, that's right. So this guy really knows what he's doing. Since then, I've only followed his recommendations. No, I, I read cards, his yeah. site all the time. It's ridiculous. So uh, let's give him a call. Thanks for calling in. I know you're about to travel, which I think makes sense given your Given job. what I do, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you caught me while I have my feet on the ground, which is very rare. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you going? I'm going to London, Ghana, Dubai, Beijing, Bali, East Timor, and Singapore. That is, that is epic. <laughs> For, I'm taking for, my parents. Oh, wow. So kind of what we wanted to talk to you about, you know, with all this holiday travel coming up, and you're obviously the expert on this kind of stuff. We were wondering, I mean, are there any ways in particular around the holidays that you can use points or credit cards to your advantage? Yeah, I think there's this whole misnomer that it's the holidays, it's busy travel time, and you can't use points, but that's false. You know, especially last minute, the airlines will open up tons of seats. No, maybe not on like the most peak flights, the booked flight Wednesday before Thanksgiving out of New York to L.A. So, yeah, there's still deals to be had because the thing is a lot of business travelers don't travel. So first class and premium, the airlines often run fair sales. It might be a little bit too late now to book them, but in general... Every year, the airlines have a business class fares, especially internationally. I ended up having to buy my ticket pretty last minute this year. What is like kind of the sweet spot for finding the best deal if you only have, say, like less than a month's notice? Internationally, book is far in advance, usually at least two months out. And then generally, especially once you get it within the 14-day window, prices go up a lot. Otherwise, I always use Google Flights. You can select different airports in the vicinity, which I highly recommend. And then also just be flexible on your days, right? Like traveling on the Wednesday and the Sunday of Thanksgiving is going to be the absolute worst. But, you know, going Saturday to Monday drops the price dramatically in most cases. But, you know, in terms of any tricks to create low fares, I mean, it really all depends on the route. So, yeah. So credit card wise, I've gotten really into Chase points because I just did one that had like a big old introductory offer and I'm super excited. You got the Sapphire Reserve. I sure did. I sure did. You know, if you know you're going to spend some money for Black Friday or you're about to spend some money on all the presents for your family and you maybe want to get some rewards out of it. Do you have any cards that you think are great right now or, you know, ideas for what people should do? The biggest mistake most people make is not shopping through online shopping portals. Some of the best deals come actually on Cyber Monday, not at Black Friday, but always click through these mileage shopping portals where you get extra miles in addition to the miles for using your credit card. So it's an absolute no-brainer. You actually just put your frequent flyer number in, you know, for example, American Airlines is advantageeshopping.com. You put your AA number in, it gives you a whole list of hundreds of retailers, and it takes you directly to the retailer's website, but it stores a cookie on your computer, and then it deposits those extra miles in addition to the credit card points that you get. That's brilliant. So it's double dipping. I mean, so many people leave those points on the table. So never, ever, ever go directly to a retailer's website. Always go through a mileage shopping portal to get those extra miles. Well, I have been doing this wrong. <laughs> yeah. On the points.com, we have beginner's guide that actually lists all the airline and hotel shopping portals. You can kind of compare where you're going to get the most points back. But it's literally the same exact website as you go to, but you just earn extra miles by clicking through the portal. In terms of actual credit card to use, points are one thing, but also perks are another thing I always tell people to look into. So purchase protection, a lot of credit cards now will offer extended warranties, So it just depends where you're shopping, but the goal is to not just use any normal card. Try to get at least one and a half or double points for all purchases. Is your trip that you're going on now, is that all points-based? All of the airfare is on points. And for the three of us, it's all first class. You're a magician. It's a full (laughs) round-the-world trip, and it would probably be about $25,000 a person. So yeah, me and my parents will have $75,000 in flights for probably $500 in taxes and fees out of pocket. 
So, of course, I didn't get the miles for free. I had to earn them through credit card spend, but I like to maximize. Do you have any idea, like, why you're this good at this? So it started in the 90s. I was 12 when my dad got a job for a startup, and he didn't know how to type. And so I would book his travel for him because I was a little computer whiz. And then one day we're like, you have all these miles and points. And I just remember being like, let's use them to go somewhere fabulous. So we went to the Cayman Islands, my family of six. And, you know, when the flights were free, we splurged and rented this vacation home. So then I was hooked. It was, yeah, 1996 was the first time I ever used points. And they make your lives better, right? So I don't know why everyone doesn't have points. So that's been fun to start the points guy. And now we're just about to hit the 5 million monthly unique visitor mark, which is kind of surreal to think this little blog now gets read by so many people. That's awesome. I'm just curious if you have any tips just for being in airports around the holidays. Is there anything that you do to make the travel a little bit nicer? So I try to minimize my time in airports. So by doing that, I highly recommend TSA PreCheck. There's a number of credit cards that I'll give it to you for free. So check to see if your credit card offers it. Highly worth your time. It's $85. The real play, though, is to get Global Entry, which is $100, but it also gives TSA PreCheck. But the newest thing that I love is Clear. You can get it discounted. It's about 100 or so a year. But Clear actually brings you to the front of the TSA pre-check line, which I fly out of LaGuardia a lot, and that saves me tons of time. It's not in every single airport. There's, I think, 24 across the U.S. Once you're in the airport, I mean, I usually will go to my favorite of the American Express Centurion lounges. So, yeah, if I have to spend time in an airport, I definitely would rather spend it in a lounge with Wi-Fi than in the crowded terminal. But, yeah, my tip is to spend as little time as possible in the airport. <laughs> the tip about airports, Unless you're don't traveling go to within them. Asia where the airports have butterfly gardens and they're beautiful and they're destinations in themselves. Not so much except except Manila. Except for Manila. Yeah, we were talking about Manila. Have you flown through Manila's airport? I've never flown through Manila. Don't. <laughs> don't. It's not a great one. Well, thank you so much for talking to us about this. Travel more. It's the only expense that makes you richer. And that'll be my sappy quote to end it. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Thanks so much. Welcome, everybody, to your favorite segment, Fat Facts. Fat Facts. Fat Facts. I think it's a good time for Fat Facts. Oh, Man, Tomorrow I, will be a good time. I'm going to try and facts. forget these before. Before yeah. digging into the mac and cheese with breadcrumbs and tomatoes on top. Oh, yeah. No tomatoes. tomatoes. No tomatoes. Come on. That, Acidity no. to but cut I'm the fat. But I'm using Velveeta. I don't need Oh, Velveeta, why, why would I want to cut the fat? Well. Maybe I'll find out. <laughs> Here I am with a smorgasbord of fat facts. Hey. So I thought I'd get us started off with some history. Small diet tips. These are a uh, tip of the hat to Mental Floss, who the website collected a lot of these. But these are my two favorites. <laughs> People once believed that water was fattening, <laughs> and I guess the idea Stupid was old people. the yeah. more water you drank, the more it interfered with your gastric juices. So I guess the gastric juice is what breaks down fat, and if you have water, it's just not working as well. So um, do not drink too much water, but a little lemon juice added to it will make it less fattening. Oh, is that why? Is that how the lemon juice thing started? That's, that's the plan. Is like If you're going to be eating a lot of fat today, probably just no, no water. <laughs> no water. Don't hide. No, no definitely not. And uh, this tops the water one. Fresh air is a destructive agent to fat because oxygen burns carbon. So uh, Is fat made of carbon? <laughs> this is a quote. To make this clear, let me ask you if you have noticed how a dying fire flames up when the draft of cold air is turned upon it. That is precisely what happens when a woman who is too fat goes out for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. It's an analogy for the ages. Wow. Yeah. And you thought nutrition advice today was They also might have complicated and wrong. Exercise with air. <laughs> right. <laughs> Consumer Reports reported last year that most Americans eat about 4,500 calories at a Thanksgiving feast. Ooh. 
buckle up. Yeah. Well, unbuckle up. Buckle out. But they do not recommend that you skip breakfast ahead of time because if you're hungry, you might overeat. Oh. Over, 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 overeat. Mm-hmm. Well, so, what about turkey trots? Are those a good idea? Do we think? I mean, there's I oxygen involved. There's oxygen involved. That's true. <laughs> think about if how it's much cold outside. The colder it is, the better it is. But no water. Yeah, no drinking water during your. I shouldn't even say that. Please drink water during yeah, your 5K. This has all been sarcastic. Please drink a lot of water. <laughs> Please drink a lot of water. <laughs> and uh, happy Thanksgiving. That has been Fat Facts. Fat Facts. Fat Facts. We have with us today Lisa Farbstein, who's a TSA spokesperson, to tell us a little bit about some really important Thanksgiving news. Hey, Jackie. Thanks for having me. This is a question I actually have when I go home for Thanksgiving and my parents make like amazing mac and cheese and I want to bring it home. What things count as gels? What things don't? Are there certain things that you should not be bringing home on a plane from Thanksgiving dinner? Actually, there are two times when people like to bring food on a plane. That is when they're going to Thanksgiving at a family member's house or a friend because they want to contribute to the Thanksgiving table. And as you pointed out, bring leftovers home when they're coming home. Oh, I didn't even think about that. You got it on your way there, too. <laughs> yeah. So it's very common for people to bring food around Thanksgiving time because maybe they're bringing a bottle of wine or maybe this secret family recipe for cranberry sauce or maybe it's a pie from your mom's favorite bakery, but now your mom is retired and lives in Florida. You know, right, so, right, right. so you know, people are bringing food all the time. So the rule of thumb is if you can spill it, spray it, spread it, pump it, or pour it, then it's considered a liquid gel or aerosol. (laughs) (laughs) So spread it. I mean, that counts for cranberry sauce. That would. So items such as mashed potatoes or gravy, sweet potato pie with the marshmallows on top. Oh, man, I love those. (laughs) So those items I would recommend that uh, you put in Tupperware or Rubbermaid or something, seal it up, make sure it's not going to leak, and put that in your check bag or bring the ingredients. And when you get to the destination, then you want to fix it up when you get there. So, you know, if you feel like it, bring an Idaho potato. But when (laughs) you get to the destination, make your mashed potatoes there. All right. So you can bring potatoes. Potatoes, but you can't bring mashed potatoes. Right. To your knowledge, has anybody ever tried to actually sneak a bomb in, <laughs> in mashed potatoes or any food stuff like this? Not to my knowledge, but of course it really is possible. The threat is real. There are people out there who want to cause harm. This is a time of year it would garner significant media coverage. We've got lots more people flying this year. We're expecting that the Thanksgiving holiday is going to probably break into TSA's top 10 or possibly top 5 highest travel days in our history. Wow. And what are some tips for getting through the TSA security line quickly? The absolute number one tip is leave yourself plenty of time. If you're flying out of one of the major airports in the country, you should try to get to the airport at least two hours in advance of your flight, three if you're flying internationally. And that's because you're going to see lines everywhere. You're going to find it a little more challenging to find a parking space. You're going to see a line at the rental car counter. 
You're going to see a line to check in your luggage curbside, or you're going to see a line inside the terminal when you want to check in your baggage and get your boarding pass. You're going to see a line at the coffee shop. You're going to see a line in the restroom. So be prepared to stand in lines, and TSA is just one of the many that you'll be in. The more time you give yourself, the more relaxed you're going to be. You're not going to be flipped out. You might miss your flight. Right. What else can you do to speed up your trip? Well, one of the things we ask people to do is prepare and make sure that you're not carrying anything that would be prohibited to a checkpoint. So one of the things you can do if you're not sure if something can go in your carry-on bag, your checked bag, either or neither, is you can tweet to us. Send us a tweet at AskTSA or on Facebook Messenger. Send a photo of the item. Let us know, you know, hey, this is my stuffing. Can I bring the (laughs) stuffing on the plane? And we can give you live assistance by tweeting a response back to you pretty quickly. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Another way you can do that is just go to our website, tsa.gov. In the upper right-hand corner of the homepage, there's a question, a little box. You tap on it. It says, can I bring my? You just type in your item right away. You'll find out if it can go in your check bag, your carry-on bag, either or neither. Or... One last option would be download the free TSA app. It's called My TSA. It has that same exact feature, Can I Bring My? And you'll know pretty quickly if you can bring it with you on the plane, in your carry-on, or your check bag. And we should say here, people should probably just follow TSA on Twitter and Instagram anyway, because your Instagram feed is hilarious. I'm a huge fan. I feel like it's always got uh, punny jokes and also like crazy things that people try to take through TSA. I mean, I've seen things I'm like, they're nuts. I mean, do you run that page or do you know who does it? So we do have one of our staff members who runs the Instagram account. We call him Blogger Bob. He also obviously does blogs, and he has exactly that kind of punny personality that you were pointing out. And I have to brag, our Instagram account was listed in Rolling Stone magazines as one of the top 100 Instagram accounts in the world. We were ranked number four, and Beyonce was number five. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, for people who are thinking, okay, haha, yeah, we're going to follow, like, a government agency on Instagram. Actually go follow this Instagram because it is so funny. It is. Great. Well, thank you so much. Is there any other tips for us that you have before we go? You know what? This is a time of year when you see a lot of travelers who don't travel frequently. And unfortunately, because they're not as familiar with the whole process, often they leave things behind in the bins. They're in a rush to catch their flight, and they don't get that one extra glance into the bin. And so we do have a pretty robust lost and found operation, Mm -hmm. especially at the larger airports. And so if you think you may have left something behind at uh, one of the checkpoints, you should go to our website, tsa.gov, do a search for lost and found, and up will pop a list of all the airports with the contact information of uh, how to get in touch with somebody at the lost and found office at that airport. Oh, that's so useful. I feel like it's really easy to leave like your necklace or your keys or something. Yeah, keys are pretty common. Sunglasses are common. This time of year, jackets and gloves and scarves, because once you're inside, you're warm and you probably don't think that, oh, I need a scarf to get to my gate. And we see lots of electronics, people leaving their cell phones, people leaving iPads, and even laptops, lots of laptops. And ID, people leave their licenses, their wallets, uh, and their passports in the bin. So uh, that's rough. Yeah, it can be rough when you're trying to get home. (laughs) Yeah. Well, good luck to all of our listeners who are heading home or anywhere for Thanksgiving. And thank you, Lisa, for talking to us about all of these awesome tips. And remember, mashed potatoes, no. Potatoes, yes. You got it. (laughs) 
So I don't know what kind of ads show up when you guys open your laptop or open your phone, but I get some really weird ones. I work for a men's magazine, Popular Mechanics, as you all know, and I am constantly getting ads for men's boots, which I don't really need because I look them up for work or shovels. I don't have a backyard and it makes me a little crazy and I don't really understand how to do anything about it. So I invited Peter Martin, who I feel like will have strong opinions about this. (laughs) Not the expert, just the complainer. And then Alex George, who probably will have some explanations and solutions for this. I'll try. Okay. So has this happened to you, Peter? Yes. (laughs) It seems like it happens all the time. And my wife actually now only searches certain things for private mode, and she just goes on to that because she'll search things at home, and there'll be an ad for something related to what she had searched on her Instagram. So just out of frustration, she's switched to private mode to not have that happen. Right. And it seems like if you're trying to surprise somebody, like what if you're trying to get somebody an engagement ring? You know what I mean? (laughs) And you like use the house computer or like a big birthday present or something. That's a good point. It's probably ruined some surprises at home for people. Yeah. So what do we do about this? Does this happen? to you, Alex, or did you already fix this for yourself? I've on and off had things I do for this, but I've been so used to it that I don't think I realized until recently, like hearing these stories, especially for Facebook, how much tracking information goes out out there. How do we, how stop do we survive it? it? Well, <laughs> okay, so there's a couple of different methods, but the annoying part is that you generally have to pay for it. So the conclusion I've come to after talking to a whole bunch of people who work in this industry and just professionals who understand how all this works, if something is free, generally your information is being sold in some way. That's just the bottom line of it. There's very few exceptions to something like that. So there are a lot of free apps or things that you put in your browser that work with that, but the ones that actually work cost a little bit of money. The one I've been using is called Disconnect. So okay. it's an app that you buy and the last pricing I saw was 36 bucks for a year. And what it does is it basically runs in the background of your phone and it'll catch known tracking sources. It has this little report that it does the whole time and it'll say... It blocked 108 trackers today for oh you? Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, it's all on there. Does um, this carry over though to like web browsing and that sort of thing or is this just what you do on your phone? A lot of companies like this, they'll have an option where you pay a little bit more, like say 40 bucks for a year and then you'll get a version for your laptop and then one for your phone and then another one for like your iPad. Is it keeping them from having my info or is it just keeping me from seeing the stuff they're trying to push on me? Uh, both. But it's attempting to preempt it by whenever something is doing a data request for your location or something like that, then it'll stop it. It's getting better to the point that the new version of Safari for Apple's products has a feature that will get rid of cross-tracking between different websites. And Chrome 2, you can disable autoplay videos, which drives me insane. Oh, you That's, can? Yeah. I downloaded an extension for that that works, kind of. Yeah. Both of them in my testing have been fallible. Like, they'll yeah. slip through sometimes, but generally that gets rid of it. That's the one particular unsolicited advertisement that drives me insane. So they get rid of those a little bit better now, too. So what's the name of this app again? This one's Disconnect. There's another one called One Blocker, number one blocker. I think there's a free version, and you can upgrade for that one, too. That one works as well, and that's one of the only free ones I've heard recommended from so, people. So how are they there. working? Are they selling your information, but then preventing anyone else from selling it? That's like, the question. I mean... <laughs> how are they making money? Yeah, I like to corner one of their executives and actually understand that. Doesn't the way Adblocker works where you can be on a whitelist as an advertiser and then it still shows up to people with Adblocker and that way they are getting a much smaller maybe more potent list of advertisements coming at them. So they're getting paid by the advertiser to let their advertisements go through. I read something about that. Okay, so this has your whole privacy report. 108 trackers blocked, time saved 10.2 seconds, data saved 6.1 megabytes. That seems reasonable. Yeah, that's actually the other thing worth mentioning too is that advertisements will use up your battery, use up your data, and without your knowledge. I have one more question. Yeah. Is it listening to me? 
Ah, uh, the microphone thing? <laughs> I mean, I feel like this is everyone's question. I've been seeing it all over, and everybody's got this theory. I personally kind of think it's listening to me. Okay. I would recommend, first of all, this podcast called Reply All, that they did a big investigation into this. And their conclusion, I think, I generally agree with. I would say with a fair amount of certainty that it's not actually listening to you. That would drain your battery really big time. And it would be an enormous scandal if there was, because they all deny it. I've asked point blank Amazon, Google, Apple, if it's actually running besides the wake word. And the answer is just always, no, it's not. The other part I I should say about this, has target advertising ever worked for you? It has worked on me, but it just makes me want things that I then generally don't buy, if that makes sense. There was one time like a purse came up that I was like, oh, I love that. But then I was like, I don't really need that. And then I didn't buy it because I have good willpower. But that's pretty sensible much. Sensible Jackie just ma- kicked in. I know. Like, I am no sensible thanks. Jackie, but it does make me want things. Yeah. I mean, that's the way it works. And if that's the lesson from it is that there's money to be made in doing that. And these things know a hell of a lot about you, too. There's a hell of a lot of convenience that you get out of handing over a lot of your information. I was playing with the new Google Pixel earbuds. So they have these earbuds that are connected to the Google Assistant. You can say, how long will my trip home take? And it knows where my home is because I told Google. And it knows that this case, that it knows I take the subway. So it responds pretty quickly. Your trip home by transit is going to take 22 minutes or something like that. Uh So it comes down to there's a lot of convenience to be gotten from it. But if the ads piss you off and you want to at least have the psychological comfort of less stuff tracking you, paying a little bit for these apps will take care of that. So this isn't really a, I guess this is a testing table. Yeah. Uh, And it actually is a table. It's our conference room table. It's a very long table. (laughs) And what we are testing is the PongBot, which there's going to be a video of this because we're taking video right now. And the PongBot is a ridiculous item that is supposed to make beer pong more complicated. I thought it was complicated enough. And it works kind of like a Roomba that has... Like, it works like this. solo cups on it. So we decided that we were going to play it against a Roomba. On a very long beer pong On a very table. long table. <laughs> this is not regulation, and neither of us is very good at this. So what, it's, for the record, it's 6.30. It's 6.30. <laughs> we are uh, here in the office. Alex George is helping us out. <laughs> and yours is vacuuming the table. <laughs> mine is actually, and my side is getting cleaner than yours. <laughs> this could take a very long time. This is a long table. You it's try It's a really it. long table. Oh my oh, god, I'm just gonna get lid, my I'm gonna get my butt ah. kicked. So the Pongbot definitely gets hung up on a few things. Yes, so far. The Roomba has not gotten hot, hung back, up on Roomba. anything. Come closer, Roomba. Yeah, I like how you're waiting. You're really gaming on, the Roomba. system. Come on. It's almost like I'm terrible at beer pong or something. <laughs> ah! Off the lip. We're gonna bring yes. in some ringers. Maud, you come throw for me. Alright, so Alex is throwing for oh, Jackie. Oh, oh. And Maud's gonna throw for You got a couple. closer than I did. I feel like hers is easier. Oh, and yours is stuck. The pong is kind of failing right now. It's supposed to run through beer, though, so that's okay. I'm sure it is. Also, you know what? The pong bot, you can move yourself, which is kind of cool. This is more fun than I expected for how bad we are at it. Yes! All right, we got one. We got one. Yeah, the Roomba is much better at not getting hung up in the corners. Oh, Except, oh it now shut. it's off. Advantage Jackie. Dwayne, okay. you want to step in? Get in here. Help me. He's bad. Or, or he's better, and I'm bad. Whatever. Somebody's bad. We're both pretty bad. The thing is, I can't play beer pong sober, I guess. It's too hard. Yeah, I feel like regular beer pong was like a perfect amount of hard. Yeah. And this just makes it like, well, our table like is, a not fun. It's like Flappy Bird. Like our table is <laughs> twice the size well, it should be. This is impossible now. I'll move it off there. Oh, two for Jackie. All right, so the, the pong bot, what do we think? Pong bot, I honestly think, I mean, the only benefit I see right now 
is that like we didn't put any beer in our Roomba ones because we didn't want to ruin Alex's Roomba. So that is a good reason oh, to get a Pong Pop, but it was glitchy. It got hung up on stuff. I don't know. I thought the it was Roomba stupid. powered through, and also, I don't I, think the Pong I, Bot has enough power to get over the obstacles. What I think is, if you're playing beer pong against people at a party. You want to finish in a normal length of time, and you should play with just regular cups in a regular way. And then if you are going to play by yourself, like you're laying on the couch and you're hungover, and you're just... (laughs) Have you ever played by yourself? Well, I think that's... Wasn't that the idea of the Roomba? Like you're alone in the frat house and you just put all the things on the... Oh, really? I I thought it was just to make it harder. And that's why I think this is not for me, because I'm not good enough when it's not moving. Yeah, maybe if you're like an expert, expert beer beer player. Like if James were here... The it, we we wish we did say that we wished he was here. Yeah. The Pongbot costs fifty dollars. If which, you're drunk, not a bad price. Not a bad pr- purchase. I think if you got a kid in college and you want to buy him something that will encourage him to not drink responsibly, I don't even know. No, I don't. Yeah. It's a silly gift, maybe, but I wouldn't buy it. Would you yeah. buy it? No, beer pong's pretty fun. Without a lot. A pong. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like a game designed for fun and has been very popular for several decades. Exactly. Yeah. All right, let's win. Somebody needs. To Somebody win. needs to win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's our show, y'all. The Most Useful Podcast Ever is produced by the staff of Popular Mechanics and edited by Brandcasters, Inc. at www.brandcastingu.com. We'd like to thank Sarah Bentley and Andy Bowers from Panoply and Popular Mechanics Editor-in-Chief Ryan D'Agostino. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes. While you're there, leave us a comment. We'd love to know what you think. And if you want to read more about life hacks of all sorts, you should check out our website, popularmechanics.com. While you're there, you can subscribe to the print and digital edition of Popular Mechanics Magazine for just $13.99 a year. I'm Jacqueline Detweiler. Thanks for listening.